0: It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick.
1: And here we go. Welcome to HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there. Devon Cotton is on the other side of the glass. As we get you set for what is really going to be an extended pregame show of sorts Our weekly insider radio program for the Henderson Silver Knights tacked on to game day action today as the Silver Knights ready to start what will be a five-game homestand against the Tucson Roadrunners. Three games against Tucson to start this homestand tonight and then Saturday and Sunday. Uh, And for the Henderson Silver Knights, after a lengthy road trip back on home ice and looking to get their feet back underneath them a little bit as it had been a challenging road trip, at least by HSK standards. So we'll talk about... The weekend that is to come, we're going to hear from Paul Cotter, Silver Knights' second year forward, or well, obviously first year for the Silver Knights, but second year in the Vegas organization as a professional. So Paul Cotter will tell us a little bit about what the Silver Knights are going through recently, what he has... endured this season and we'll find a little bit about him the person as well we'll also be joined at the bottom of the hour by Dan Duva the radio broadcast voice of the Vegas Golden Knights and of course someone who had a lot of experience in the American Hockey League before jumping to the show so we'll hear some AHL perspective from the NHL voice all straight ahead on HSK today so for the Henderson Silver Knights again back on home ice after what was a little bit of a bumpy road trip, or at least a bumpy finish to the road trip. Silver Knights splitting the six-game set, and uh, again, in most seasons, any team would sign up for that at the start of the road trip, and uh, the Silver Knights certainly won't uh, shrug it off. Having said that, they have lost back-to-back games after falling in San Jose and then in Bakersfield last Friday. Uh, They've lost three of their last four, and just to give you a little bit of uh, perspective, first of all, for the Silver Knights, Losing three of four games, they'd only lost three games in their first 20 prior to that road trip, so it's not insignificant. Uh, And also in the four-game stretch in which they've lost three of four, they have a 2.29 goals against average this season. That's their goals against average per game this season. But in the last four games, they've surrendered 14. So, you know, there's a lot of different factors that can work their way into that equation, especially, again, when you're 24 games into the season. Silver Knights, uh, a lot of hockey in a short window of time and all on the road, six games in 11 days. Uh, on top of that, very banged up were the Silver Knights towards the end of that road trip. Gage Quinney was missing for the uh, majority of it, and Gage Quinney was, uh, will be back in the lineup tonight, so that's good news for the Silver Knights. But uh, for, for the Silver Knights, you know, one thing that you factor into is just for a couple of games in there, they didn't play their best hockey, and uh, that's something that they haven't had to deal with too often this season, uh, but it's a team that now has had about uh, six days to to recuperate, get healthy again, and get back uh, into game game shape. And we talked earlier today with Assistant Captain Ryan Murphy about how important that bounce back factor can be. And this is what Ryan had to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's uh, a bitter feeling right now. It's the first time all year we've won- we've lost two games, but
2: at the same time, it's it's going to be a learning experience for everyone. Um, Great teams don't lose more than one game in a row. That's just the way it is. Teams that win championships, they lose one and they go on streaks. And that's what we are consistently doing at first. And right now we've lost a couple here in a row, so it's unfamiliar territory for us. But like you said, the older guys got to step up and, and lead the way. And I know I know the young guys are hungry to play. I know everyone's hungry to get back on the ice and get another streak going. So we just got to, I don't know, stick, stick to what we're doing, stay connected as a group and, and good things will happen.
1: And that was Ryan Murphy. I'll tell you the two things that just jump off the page to me when when I hear those comments. You know, first of all, is just the the mentality that they need to get right and and, and uh, you know correct the course, and that's what you'd expect any player to say. But for Ryan Murphy to say, you know, good teams don't lose back-to-back games. They just don't. What does that tell you about for the Silver Knights what their expectations are, just based on what their record is already this season and uh, the talent in the dressing room, but also the fact that they still feel the 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 need and the necessity to to legitimize their 18-6 and six record and to, to prove to the league and to fans that it's it's a legitimate number and it wasn't just a, a hot start that they were able to fan the flames on. He said, no, if we're good, as good a team as we think we are, you don't lose back-to-back games. You don't lose three out of four. And when it does happen, you correct it in a hurry. Uh, so for Ryan Murphy to say that, I mean, again, that just jumps out to me, the expectations that this team has for themselves you know, it's not a bad weekend, it's not a, oh, a rough patch, a rough couple of days where you just shrug it off and say, oh, we'll get it back together again. No, for, for Ryan Murphy, back-to-back losses is, is unacceptable. And for the Silver Knights, I, I think it has been an important couple of days for them to rest a little bit and to get back uh, a few bodies. They'll put them in, in better light against a Tucson team that has won two of their last three, but that includes a stretch that goes back a week and a half ago to when these two teams wrapped up their three-game set in Tucson, which was a set in which the silver knights took two of three to start their road trip uh the roadrunners have not done a lot of winning of late they are second from the bottom in the ahl pacific division standings and for the silver knights these are the kinds of games every game is important and every game is tough and may be versus said there are no bad teams in this division and that is true uh, but for the silver knights now coming off substantial rest and now getting ready for a stretch in which they're going to play 10 of their last 15 games at the orleans arena in this building where i right now sit high atop the ice if your schedule is going to shake out that way, that you have that much home hockey down the stretch and you're going to face a Tucson team that has struggled and is still missing two of their uh, top producers in Michael Bunting, who will perhaps never come back from the Arizona Coyote roster. He's been that good since being called up uh, and Lane Peterson as well. This is a game where the Silver Knights need to be up for it and, and ready to go to to get this home stra- uh, home stand started on the right note. Uh and again we mentioned some, some bodies coming back to help them. That includes Gage Quinney, who is healthy and ready to go after he had his uh his bell rung against the San Jose Barracuda back in the fifth game, or pardon me, the fourth game of the, of the road trip. So that would have been back on last Tuesday. Uh he's back in the lineup and ready to go. And Layton Ahack, the rookie defenseman out of Ohio State, Vegas Golden Knights draft pick, he will make his AHL debut tonight. At least, as was expected based on many Rose's comments earlier today, late day hack, the third round pick of the Vegas Golden Knights in 2019, coming off a. 27 game season at ohio state university where he had a goal and nine points so we'll see what he has up his sleeve for his ahl debut tonight and how many Vivero's plans to use him and then perhaps the greatest addition or the most impactful addition for the silver knights tonight is going to be cody glass who is back from the vegas golden knights he was reassigned on tuesday he will be in the lineup tonight uh cody glass his lone appearance with the silver knights was the first game of the road trip against the tucson roadrunners where he had a goal and a plus-three rating, and that goal was certainly of the uh, the highlight variety. And we talked to Manny Viveros earlier today and said, all right, well, you get Cody Glass in the lineup. Of course, that's going to be a substantial boost for your team, and of course, uh, you're going to want to use him in all situations, but what opportunity does it also pre- pre- uh, present for Cody Glass? Here's what Manny Viveros had to say.
2: No, certainly. I think that, that experience, we've talked about that before. Uh, you need to get that experience, but but uh, part of uh, that experience is having that experience to, to be in those situations. So, uh, yeah, we're going to use them like we did when, when the first time he joined us in Tucson uh, in all power play, penalty kill situations and five-on-five situations too. So I think it's going to be really good for Cody to be with us and, and get those minutes, uh, valuable minutes,
0: increase of ice time that uh, uh, he wasn't getting up with the Golden Knights and for obvious reasons they such a good team up there. Uh, but he, he's going to get those, those minutes down here.
1: And that was Mae Viveros on Cody Glass. Again, Cody Glass, for those of you who don't know, and I assume that would be very, very few of you in our audience, the sixth overall pick in 2017 by the Vegas Golden Knights will make his second Silver Knights appearance this evening. Let's take a look at Silver and Gold. Silver and Gold,
2: Silver and Gold. Everyone wishes for silver and gold.
1: Our weekly segment where we take a look at how the parent affiliate, the Golden Knights and the Silver Knights, are helping each other. Of course, we've talked about what Cody Glass can provide for the Silver Knights this evening. Thomas Yurko providing plenty of push on the fourth line for the Vegas Golden Knights as he has appeared in their last two games against the L.A. Kings, including last night's victory. Uh, he had He has appeared in the last two games. He had an assist on the 12th which was on Monday for the uh, Golden Knights and appeared last night as well. Four shots on goal in 14-plus minutes of work. So Thomas Yerko back in the NHL mix for the Vegas Golden Knights. And, and that was a line uh, yesterday with uh, Will Carrier and uh, Nicholas Waugh that uh, was really productive, a lot of energy, a lot of pressure, and created scoring opportunities last night, a night where Thomas Yerko did not have any points, uh, but certainly fitted on that fourth line. It'll be interesting to see what Pete DeBoer uh, intends to do with Thomas Yurko over the next few games if he keeps him in that rotation. Perhaps something we can touch on at the bottom of the hour with Dan Duva as well. But we'll step aside right now when we come back we're going to hear from Silver Knights forward Paul Cotter. That's straight ahead on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 of the game. Back on HSK Today Brian McCormick here with you and we are joined by Mr. Paul Cotter and uh, Paul, thank you for coming on the show. A, just making yourself available, and B, I'm sure some of the other players have already warned you not to come on the show. So thank you for uh, for being brave. Uh, I haven't heard anything yet, so <laughs> no problem. Well, we know Paul Cutter is a liar. <laughs> uh, first off, just want to ask, this is your second pro season, your second season in the, in the Vegas Golden Knights organization at the pro level. Uh, what have the adjustments been from year one to year two? Um it's I wouldn't say too
2: many changes um, obviously it's a big confidence boost just coming into the new season um, you know you kind of you, you know the system already you know a lot of the guys um, you know it's a new coaching staff but mainly same uh, same schedule and everything so um, get the first year pro under your belt and then uh, obviously the second year is a little bit better
1: I would think there there has to be just an element of, of being more comfortable in your own skin. I mean, I've been in this organization for three or four months, and everyone's really really nice. But I still walk on eggshells, come down the hallway. There has to be a certain comfort level in year two, just just being, uh, you know, at peace in the room. Yeah, uh, I think there's a big uh, expectation level,
2: um, especially in in this organization, um, as as our record kind of speaks for itself. Um, you know, it, we we lose a game in a you know feels like uh, our dog died or something so um but yeah that's it's obviously better coming in your second year um a lot more confidence like you said but um yeah there is a there is a high expectation around here so um second year third year fourth year no matter what you are i think everybody's held to the same accountability
1: or with Paul Cotter, that's an interesting thing you bring up is the expectations because there's team expectations and then there's also individual expectations of what you want to accomplish. I think everyone thinks of the AHL as, okay, when are these players going to be ready for the big club? But but it's it's there, there's multiple layers to that. You're worried about your own performance and the team's performance and how that projects over time. That's got to be a lot to, to process day in, day out.
2: Yeah, um, it, it is. Um, I think most of the times... Um for for my individual goals, um, I tend to set them pretty high, right? So um, a <laughs> stupid thing my mom used to say was, uh, if you shoot for the moon and miss, at least you'll be amongst the stars. So um, I always kind of put that in perspective and um, set a pretty high goal. And if I don't get there, I'm going to be uh, pretty close. So um, I, I kind of use that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the team has goals. You have goals. Most of the time, yours kind of lead into the team's. Um, but, I mean, yeah, uh, so far so good with everybody with their goals right now, I hope.
1: Well, that's just kind of adorable. Like, I just pictured Jamie Heward standing at the front of the room during a meeting and say, listen, boys, if you shoot for the moon, if you miss, you'll land amongst the stars. Maybe maybe that'll work its way into the next meeting. Yeah, well, that one. <laughs> well, Paul, uh, you're you're one of the very few people who can have a very – uh, have a lot of perspective on the argument. Players who argue, well, is college better or is Canadian junior better? Or how does American junior jockey up against Canadian junior? You've played in the USHL, the NCAA, and the OHL. Uh, and again, that, that's got to be a pretty exclusive group of guys who have played in all three.
2: Yeah, a um, bit of a suitcase, you could call it. Um, I would say college is harder to play in than the OHL, for sure. Um I don't think that anyone could really argue against that. Um, Then again, there is uh, an age differential for sure, so I think you can kind of put that in perspective. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, I... uh got to be uh, in a lot of cities and meet a lot of people so
1: <laughs> well well I would, I would think with that too, like in the o h l you know as, as much as there's first round draft picks playing in that league, you know th- there isn't a chemistry test the next morning, and there aren't any twenty four year olds out there that are taking runs at you
2: that is that is true yeah the balance uh, the balance between being uh, an athlete that's uh, also trying to be a student is is tough um, you kind of get the hang of it um, it was uh, it was tough at at Western. Our our coach was pretty, <laughs> I don't know the word to describe him. But strict. Yeah, yeah. that that'd be a good
1: one. <laughs> well, on that note, you know it's it's interesting because you left Western Michigan University, but you went to London of the OHL, which is one of the premier organizations in the OHL. So it's not like you left college and were you know striking it out on your own per se. But I, that still had to be a bit of a a nerve wracking move that, in retrospect, worked out for the better
2: yeah that was it was hard um that was one of the hardest things i've had to do i think was when i uh when i left that group uh we were really close i spent all summer with them um every day and out you know a lot of a lot of strict (laughs) stuff that happens you know get a few laughs out of it but um we were really close when i found out that uh that was the move that we were going to make um i was pretty sad but um it it was fun to go to london too i mean that organization is it's first class um so especially with the fans and everything it was it was awesome so it was cool to kind of get a taste of best of both worlds
1: we're talking to paul cotter and we talk about this like it's ancient history it was really just two years ago which i think also puts into perspective you know you didn't spend three years in college you didn't spend three years in the ohl even that western michigan to london jump was one season so you have jumped to pro hockey and grown up pretty darn quick because we're right here saying right now we're talking about your second pro season so you know this this transition was two years ago and it's already well in the rear view mirror
2: yeah um 100 uh i think it's such a treat um in juniors if you can if you can be in one place and stay there for a few years um which a lot of guys do um especially if they're drafted to a spot but um yeah i kind of moved around it was it was fun um Learned a lot, learned pretty quick, Um, being in different spots, different leadership groups and stuff. So um, tends to make you grow up a little faster than you want to.
1: Well, God willing, we can know that the uh, the Vegas affiliate will be in Henderson next year. You won't have to move again. Right. But we're with Paul Cotter. You know, you've described yourself, uh, improving yourself to be somewhat of a uh, breakaway specialist. I'm I'm paraphrasing. I'm not going to say you're crowning yourself, but uh, you, you take a lot of pride in your breakaway skills. And uh, I guess how do you develop that? And because that's not just a skill set. That's also got to be a confidence thing.
2: Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of two puck after practice. I think it's that's, of that's my favorite things. Um, but no, just growing up, uh, I was the kid that had really no life. I was in, you know, private lessons to clinic to practice to older guys' practice to my brother's practice. I was a kid who skated four or five times a day, so um, I got time for friends now. I didn't back then, but uh, yeah, it was fun. Um, I take a lot of pride in shootouts and and all that stuff, so uh, I love it though. It's it's, it's really fun to me.
1: we with Paul Cotter, who is apparently the prototypical uh, rink rat. You know, you're off to a – I keep saying off to a good start because of this weird shortened season. We're past the halfway mark, so it's not a start anymore. You are just flat out having a a better season than you did your rookie year. You've made improvements and, and the numbers have jumped. Was there pressure for, for all of you guys to get off to good starts this year? Because ordinarily you'd say, oh, you know, it's 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 a rough 10 games, but it's a 76-game schedule. There's time to figure it out. This year, 10 games is a, is a quarter of the schedule. So was there any heat on you guys individually to get out of the blocks quickly?
2: Yeah, um, I think so. I think actually, you know, we didn't really have time to think about it. Um, I think it, we were just kind of so excited uh, to realize that we were going to play. Um, I know it was kind of up in the air if we were going to have a, se- like a season or, or what was going to happen. So I think uh, we just were excited to play, and then by the time we thought about the fact that it's halfway, we're everyone got off to a hot
1: start anyway. So, <laughs> uh Yeah. Or with Paul Cotter, Paul, you you've told uh, you told us earlier in the year that you model your game after after Josh Anderson, which I thought was a really thoughtful answer because you know most people are like who do you who do you want to be like? Oh, I want to be like Victor Hedman. I want to be like Sidney Crosby. Josh Anderson makes you makes you think. That means you're really identifying things that he he does well. What is it about his game that you try to emulate?
2: Um, I was I was actually told that by, by our staff actually, um, and I think it's. Uh, a mix between having skill and also the versatility of being able to kind of play the grinder role. Um, being able to play line one, two, three, four, um, you know, have the ability to score, but also the ability to you know, crush someone into the boards, right? So, um, And he has that. He has great speed. Um, and I, I love watching him play. So um, I think it's just the versatility um, that you kind of have both. So. Um, i don 't think I have as much as him right now, but hopefully one day it can uh, match against him pretty well
1: there's still time now, Paul, lots of guys like to play golf in the off season, but you 're a little bit more dedicated than that apparently you've uh, you 've made it an off season profession
2: Yes, uh, this past summer i i uh, I worked at a course uh, locally nearby the guy's uh, the guy who owned, owns, runs it and owns it is a huge hockey fan, so it works out well. I go there a few times after uh, after training and skating session and um just kind of mope around there play around help out a little bit so yeah gotten pretty good
1: so, so what is helping out because I, I hope you'll take this as a compliment just your your fun personality i picture like a, a bill murray caddy shack kind of uh kind of persona so are you are you landscaping or are you uh are you riding the the are you one of the beer cart girls what do you do yeah um just uh, i teach cart surfing uh no I'm just kidding but Uh, Just
2: whatever they need, just uh, picking up balls and making sure the trash is always, uh, you know, not skyrocketing through the bucket, Uh, which is humbling, first of all. Uh, A guy with gloves coming around picking up people's trash, (laughs) but uh, no, it's fun. Um, I actually won the last round on the front nine against all the guys, so if you want to put that out there, you can. (laughs)
1: It's going out there. But, see, this is another thing. Do we want the coaching staff to hear this interview? Because I know that they, uh, they, they get on the links often whenever they have an opportunity. And if they know that you work in a service capacity, they might invite you along for the wrong reasons. Oh, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind uh, taking their money on the course either. So. <laughs> We're with Paul Cotter. Paul, I want to add a question. One of the uh, fans submitted a question from Shannon Walker, and uh, it's a good question. She said, is there any advice that you would give your younger self to help uh his hockey success along?
2: um myself as long as well as every other kid that's going um I mean you hear it every day, uh but I think just to really focus down on it is just just keep going like uh there's so many times where it's just like this is this isn't going to work, this isn't going to happen, especially in my career um when I was sixteen, uh there's a thing that happened, but um couldn't make a team so uh i thought it was it and then you know whatever two and a half years later i was drafting the nhl right so um just keep going don't stop uh do as much as you can off the ice do video um you know be that guy at the end of practice that's doing extra stuff with you know a skills coach or coach or whatever but just keep going do the do the extra as much as you can
1: Paul, I th- that's such a fascinating point because I think fans don't always realize when they're talking about kids who are draft picks, they think it's just this upward trajectory. You're the best kid on the team every year until you get drafted, and, and then the pawn shrinks. That's not always the case. There are it, it's not a straight line from pee wees to the NHL.
2: Yeah, no. It uh, for some guys it is. Uh, most of the guys, it's not. So. Um, I was, uh, I was always the best kid growing up, uh, you know, the little guy with, with all the skill in the world. So, um, I was living life for a while and then, um, physicality came along, uh, and I kind of took a, a back seat for a bit. Um, you know, the skill can only do so much with, with big guys with hair on their chest under 14, right? So, um, but yeah, I, uh, I had a big growth spurt, um, kind of realized that I was starting to get strength. Um, and then the skill as well. So, um, yeah, when I was 16, uh, I hadn't hit my growth spurt yet and everyone else was, you know, six foot and I was just struggling. So um, the year after I kind of hit my growth spurt, I um, got a little bit more confidence with my skill and everything. So and then I started to, to take off from there. But yeah.
1: We are with thoroughly growth-spurted Paul Cotter. Uh, Paul, we're trying to mix in some some silly questions towards the end, so yeah. here it comes. We always ask players, you know, who's the best player you played with growing up or, you know, the the best player you ever played against. I like to take it in a bit of a different direction without having you put anybody on blast. Anyone who's playing at this level played with someone of notoriety usually growing up. Was there anyone you ever played with that you thought – I don't get it, it doesn't seem that special, and now years later is having a very nice career and you're like, ah, eh, maybe I was wrong about that one.
2: <laughs> oh, there's a lot of guys you look at and you're like, oh, what, what's going on here? And then uh, you, you just look later and it's like, wow. Um, and I, I a perfect example, um, my first skate actually uh, with Nick Wah, um, I was like, man, I, I'm better than this guy, like, what is he, what's going on here? And, but he is just so perfect with just all, like, just structural details and everything. Just, he's never not in the right spot, ever. So, um, and once once you have that, which is a talent. Not no, not most people can do. I can't do it as well as him. I'm close. But once he, once you can kind of get that, then you can kind of work in your skill and, and speed and stuff like that. And he's just, he can, it's such a, when people watch a game, they have no idea, but um, from a hockey perspective, you look and he's, he's just always in the right spot. So I think that kind of fits the category a little bit, but yeah.
1: I think we all know that when we scan the TV channels in the hotel room on a road trip, there are certain movies that are just on all the time. If you turn on TBS or Comedy Central, that one movie is always on, whether it's The Replacements or My Cousin Vinny or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. What is the movie that when you stumble upon, you have to stop and watch?
2: I am a huge Shark Tank guy. Uh, I love it. I, I'm always watching that. Um, until Reed Duke came back, uh, who was my roommate at home. I was on the roommates on the road with McLaughlin. Um, every time he freaks out with this undercover boss show. So, um, every time he sees that, he he throws it on. I hated it for a while, but now it's awesome. So I throw that
1: on every, every time too. I, I became that way with forged in fire. I can't. I can't turn that off. Yeah. Uh, what is something that you think you're really good at? Not just in hockey, just in in general. You're really good at that. Everyone else thinks you are awful at.
2: Oh, that everyone thinks you're awful at. Um, well, I am the Connect Four champion of the world. Don't think I've ever been beaten. No one on this team's came close. But um, that I oh, um, I'd probably have to throw golf in there. Uh, I think I'm pretty good, but some guys. Say I'm pretty bad so um numbers speak for itself i won the front nine back nine different story but
1: yeah like you said everybody talks but the money walks yeah, in that yeah, one yeah. uh some guys are real style guys what is the equipment uh piece of equipment that you are the most vain about are you a skates guy a glove guy stick guy anything that you're really really not not only proud of yourself but really judgmental in other players that uh, that don't have your style
2: style's big um
1: uh, <laughs> i think uh
2: uh my stick stands out the most i don't know if i'm proud of it i think it's pretty ugly with a candy cane but uh, i need it but i think the clear tape it's good style a lot of wraps around <laughs> a little flashy <laughs> uh
1: paul cotter you do not uh, have any children yet someday maybe but the reason i say that is in a locker room full of immature guys like you there aren't that many that you would trust to babysit your kids the point being who is your most responsible grown-up adult teammate that uh, that you would trust with i don't know maybe maybe your car in this instance
2: um with the exception of patrick brown i'd, I'd probably say jimmy Schult. um he's uh He's a guy you always look up to. He's always doing the right thing. He's always working out and and doing stuff. So yeah, probably him.
1: Well, Paul, you've given us a lot of great information and insight into who you are as a person. But because we are playing tonight, this is an extended pregame show, so I have to give you an opportunity to throw in some some boring cliche answers. So, uh, what do you guys have to do against Tucson tonight?
2: Um, it's I just think I keep doing what we're doing. Um, we have a have a pretty good record, obviously, so far, and um. Just got stick to stick to what we're doing. I think it's as simple as that. We, uh, we're trying not to put too much emphasis on um, changing anything or doing anything. Uh, we're playing well right now, so we just got to make sure we, we're staying within our structure and um, nobody kind of gets off page.
1: Sticking with it. That's Paul Cotter. Appreciate you taking some time and uh, good luck tonight. Yeah, thank you. That's Paul Cotter. We'll step aside when we come back. Dan Duva joins us on HSK Today.
2: We are... Tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Where is
0: Brian McCormick?
1: Back on HSK today, Brian McCormick here with you. We heard from Paul Cotter in our last segment, and now we are honored to be joined by the radio voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, Mr. Dan Duva. Dan, thanks for taking a few minutes today.
0: Hi, Brian. You know, I once upon a time had a program where they, uh, in creating the intro, had a Bruce Springsteen liner who, that said anybody from the great state of New Jersey out there and then they played Dan Duva <laughs> so uh, I like yours a little bit better though that, that's pretty good
1: well I'm looking for more variety so thanks for the inspiration <laughs> uh, well Dan first of all you are the first member of the Vgk broadcast stable to come on the program so thank you for uh, for well, taking so the lead that
0: leap. is <laughs> an honor I, I appreciate that and uh, glad to be with a fellow AHL broadcaster I guess I, I Maybe former AHL broadcaster for me, but hey, Gary Lawless and I broadcast the Chicago Wolves playoff game in San Diego a couple of years ago. Always part of the American Hockey League, even uh, if it's not on an everyday basis.
1: You never truly leave, right? It's a there's a real uh, alumni <laughs> association, uh, which oh, yeah. we will get to. One thought I have is in the VGK playing so well, but it's been it's gotta be such a strange year for for you guys, whether you're. On the road or whether you're calling the games remotely and in any other year, I'm sure that the, the VGK broadcast team goes out and just paints the town gold wherever they may be, but this year hasn't been the same, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> We've got a reputation, apparently, that that's made it all over North America. It's true, it's true. We have recounted often the last night that we had together on the road, which was in St. Paul, Minnesota, last March, and I had ironically just finished taping a podcast Uh, with Sean Aronson, a podcast called The Voice Behind the Voice, and after we finished recording, I looked at my phone to see where I'd be meeting people for dinner, and that's when everything started to to change. Long story short, we were getting word that this was probably going to be the last little taste of hockey for a while, so uh, we enjoyed that last night in St. Paul because we knew it would be a while. We had no idea it was going to be near as long as it ended up being. Uh, Gary and I have traveled a little bit this year. We went to Lake Tahoe for that Incredible experience. We were in St. Louis for the recent games there. We thought we might be going to Southern California this week, but not yet. So maybe next week we'll be in Anaheim. I sure hope, though, but, uh, by the time the Stanley Cup playoffs arrive in mid-May that uh, we can travel wherever the team might be playing.
1: I've been lucky enough that just the way that the AHL buildings have been handled, empty buildings and whatnot, I've been able to travel to all of our games. I have not had to yeah. call a game off of a monitor, but I have to oh, imagine you. it's hard
0: to do. Oh, gosh, it's, you know, every circumstance is a little bit different. We've done remote broadcast from, I guess, three different places, City National Arena, um, the basement at T-Mobile Arena, the press box at T-Mobile Arena. And uh, Gary said this to me the other night where, you know, you think about technology and the growth of telecommunications and maybe in the future announcers won't have to travel. Like that was like a topic of conversation. But now realizing how, how, like, this has to happen and how much you miss and, frankly, how much it gives you a headache. My eyes hurt looking at these big-screen TVs for three hours at a time. I think the reality is that um, we're not going to be doing our broadcast from the studio permanently. I, I, that is well, no longer a well, consideration.
1: Well, if you need to make an egregious mistake on, on for, you know, behalf of all of us, please do it because I need the miles.
0: Uh,
1: We're with Dan Duva. Dan, I I, I think you you would have a tremendous perspective of this, having worked in the AHL as long as you did with uh, the Syracuse Crunch. You, and that's a very good affiliation, by the way, as well, a good AHL city and a good partnership now with the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know what a good partnership looks like. Just how effective and how uh, valuable is the Henderson to Vegas connection, both in terms of proximity, but also just the way both teams are run.
0: Yeah, I, I think that you hit on something there. And I was with the Syracuse Crunch as they began that affiliation with Tampa Bay. And not to disparage any of their previous affiliates, but they had been with the Ducks, and that didn't yield anything of great success for that AHL franchise. But I do remember that the the players who were in Syracuse as a pre, with previous affiliates, um, you know, they were more tied to the parent club, and they might not have embraced. the the minor league mentality, the minor league city, and in that case it was Syracuse, New York. And the people in that town really embraced the the club, and maybe it wasn't reciprocated by some, but the crunch made it a point with the Tampa Bay Lightning to really value the American League experience. And from a hockey standpoint, it's not just developing players, it's winning in order to develop players. And if we have seen in a very short period of time with the Golden Knights, Of course, the Chicago Wolves, the previous affiliate, had gone to the Calder Cup final. And look what the Silver Knights are doing this year. So (laughs) there is that clear emphasis on winning at the minor league level. And you mentioned the lightning and the crunch. I could go down the list of players who had significant experience in the American League, who are now part of uh, Stanley Cup Championship Club in Tampa Bay, not to mention John Cooper, who is the head coach. Uh, in uh, the American League for that organization, on and on and on. So there's a huge correlation, even more so than baseball. You know, we think of minor league baseball and, and the growth there. Baseball is more of an individual sport. But I'll tell you something. My experience in Syracuse was, yeah, the player wants to get a shot at the big leagues, no doubt. But there's a real appreciation for team success. Everybody knows the further you go in the Calder Cup playoffs, the more exposure you get and the more likely it is that somebody will catch on and you could have yourself an NHL career. Tomas Nosek is the prime example. (laughs) He was the star, in my opinion, for the Grand Rapids-Griffins that beat Syracuse in the 2017 Calder Cup final. And Nosek just the other day told me that right now his play with the Golden Knights is the best and most productive since that couple of month stretch in the playoffs 2017 with Grand Rapids the team that beat Syracuse in the Calder Cup final. So whether it's individually or as a team, uh, there is a very important uh, recognition from players, staff, and fan base that the American League is a huge deal in the cultivation of a successful NHL franchise.
1: And in addition to that, Dan, you look at how George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon have treated the Silver Knights so far this year. They want to utilize that playground for the kids. When you look at your Dylan Coughlin's and your Zach Whitecloud's, guys who had big roles in Chicago, got called up and stuck. You know, when you're ready to play there, they'll put you in there full time. But if you're a player like Cody Glass will be in the Silver Knights lineup tonight. If they think you benefit from more ice time in Henderson, they will send you there and they'll allow you to have the opportunity.
0: Uh, They have used the term overcook. They'd rather overcook a guy in the American (laughs) League so that when you you come up to the NHL, it's not uh, overwhelming. And even Pete DeBoer recently talked about, in regard to Cody Glass, remember that Max Pacioretty spent uh, parts of three seasons in the American Hockey League. Mark Mm -hmm. Stone was a big part of the Binghamton Senators' Calder Cup championship in 2011. Just because you don't go straight from junior hockey or college hockey direct to the NHL or in a, a you know short period of time, that doesn't mean you are not going to emerge as a bona fide NHL star. I mean, would you have guessed in 2011 when Mark Stone, and by the way, Robin Leonard was on that 2011 Bingham Senators Championship team, too, uh, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, <laughs> would you have would somebody have pegged those two guys as uh, star players for a team in Las Vegas that would be contending for a Stanley Cup? It sounds like the Twilight Zone, but, yeah. but that's what's happened. You know, It's <laughs> taken 10 years, so who knows where, whether it's Cody Glass or go down the list of um, budding prospects there in Henderson will come along. But, hey, uh, you mentioned George McPhee. The very first general manager in Syracuse Crunch history, 1994, was George McPhee.
1: Mike McKenna calls him the Sicilian soundbite. I call him the Sicilian almanac. We're with Dan Duva. And Dan, it, it, you know, it's, I think what's, what fans listening might gather from hearing, you talked about knowing Thomas Nosek back in the day, and now here you are in the same locker room for, for all intents and purposes. You worked with Mike McKenna in Syracuse, and if you would worked in 11 other organizations, you might have worked with him there too. The point <laughs> being is that... You look at NHL broadcasters, a lot of them start in the AHL or even in the ECHL. Players grow up together. You all kind of grow up together. And a guy who you might host a post-game radio show with in Binghamton in 2011 m- might be on uh, the third line in 2020. It really is funny how you know, Mike McKenna always talks about his seven degrees of separation, but I feel like you kind of have that too. There, there's uh, a, a long history with multi- dozens of players and people that uh, makes the hockey world a small one.
0: Oh, you said it, Brian, and I remember the list that gets published by uh, both, say, Joe Babbick at ECHL Communications, Jason Jamovich at AHL Communications, both awesome people doing great work in the league office and getting the word out about their respective leagues, but I love when each of those leagues publish the list of alumni who are participating in the playoffs at the NHL level. And I remember seeing that list way back a decade ago <laughs> and thinking, boy, that's pretty cool. Let's see which broadcasters are on this list. Boy, wouldn't it be great to be on there? And so a few years ago, when the Golden Knights made the Stanley Cup playoffs and Joe Babbitt issued that ECHL press release and it rattled off all the different alumni, players, broadcasters, coaches, et cetera, there was Dave Gosher. We. <laughs> Florida Everblades, Dan Duva, Trenton Devils, and on and on and on, uh, along with many other players. Of course, Derek Englund right here in Las Vegas with the Wranglers. So there's that phrase that I've heard many times before, ride the bus. The group that rides the bus, players, coaches, athletic trainer, equipment guy. Oh, Tamar,
1: did we lose? I think we, lo- I lo- we lost Dan. So let's see if we can try to get him back for just another minute or two more. I'd, there's one more question. I, I have to get to him if I'm able to do so. Uh, but uh, as Dan was just making reference, you know, ride the bus. Dan, Dan called the AHL All-Star Game, I think it was in 2015, with Doug Plagans, who's now the radio voice of the Florida Panthers, and Alex Faust, who's the TV uh, broadcaster for the L.A. Kings. It uh, just kind of shows, again, almost like the uh, the World Juniors. If you look at the prospects there, count five years down the line, and most of them are going to be playing in the NHL or high-level AHL somewhere. Uh, broadcasters have that, too. Uh, but Damon is going to – oh, we have Dan back. Dan, do we have you, buddy? I'm here.
0: Sorry Sorry about, about, that. about that. I, I don't nope, know but... what happened. I, I just – everybody was lulled to sleep by my talk of the good old days that my phone got disconnected.
1: I just assume you're like me. You just – you pace while you're on the phone, and you walk your way to <laughs> the next county. <laughs> <laughs> but you you were telling us about the uh, the, the 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 connections among broadcasters and uh, I I think as, as you uh, as you mentioned the history speaks for itself. One thing I want to ask you as we while we have time is I think fans think you have the best job in the world. You show up before the game, put your headset on and just talk. That's part of it, but there's a lot more to it. So what is the game day routine for Dan Duva?
0: Oh boy. Well, it's a lot of reading, it's a lot of listening, it's a lot of writing. Uh, preparation is key, and I enjoy it it is a great gig. I have uh, no complaints. The the challenges are really the travel, and you don't get to see family or friends as much as you'd like. But the day to day grind, you know, you wake up and you know I, I'm reading constantly. So whether it's uh, reading uh, an article or um, you know reading game notes and putting together my own game notes, I love talking with coaches and players. It's been harder this year because we can't do it in person. It's all got to be orchestrated through a Zoom video situation. And then talking with other broadcasters within the Golden Knights when we're on the road, like in St. Louis. I love to sit and watch a morning skate, as I did with Darren Pang and John Kelly in St. Louis last week. That's awesome. The, uh, the, the writers and uh, that whole group of folks. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into the preparation. But um, those few hours that you're on the air talking hockey, sometimes that preparation goes right out the window, depending on what happens. <laughs> Uh, in the game, but it's it's like a security blanket. I don't know that I could go into a broadcast feeling good if I hadn't done all that preparation, even if I don't use one single thing from it. It's there just in case. And then uh, we're always evaluating ourselves. Brian, you know that. We're always looking to make our next broadcast better than the last one. It doesn't always work out that way, but we want to document, inform, and entertain. And each time we go on the air, we're trying to do a better job than we did before. So a lot goes into it. Uh, Lots of hats, especially in the ECHL and the AHL, where there are even more duties to perform in the role of broadcast. I would say uh, I enjoyed so much of it. And all those extra hats you have to wear really helps you appreciate everything that goes into making a, a professional sports team function.
1: People will never really realize how much uh, homework never makes it out over the air. And with that, Dan, I've got about a minute. Sorry to squeeze you, but i just I got to ask uh, this, and maybe some of the preparation goes into this too. Uh, I've had several fans tell me that they are really loving the, uh, the Flamingo throw play-by-play. So, where did that come from, and how much prep work goes into that?
0: <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's you got to have binoculars, or else you'd miss such things. Uh, I don't know if they're bird watching binoculars, but they can spot a flamingo at Enterprise Center in St. Louis. Gary saw the folks with the flamingo on uh, the airplane, and then we were looking for it. And then you, you just got to know where to look. Observation is key, the eyes have it. Uh, life can pass your eye, Brian. you got to look down, smell the roses, and and make sure you don't miss the the important things like plastic flamingos.
1: Well, he's not teaching at Syracuse University anymore, but he's still teaching us lessons all the time. Dan Duva, thank you so much for coming on the program today. So uh, Golden Knights take on the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow night, and uh, we'll be listening, Dan.
0: Well, Brian, thanks for having me. Best wishes to you. We're, We're thrilled to have you as part of the organization and representing the Silver Knights so well. So best to you, and we look forward to listening to the next Silver Knights broadcast.
1: Much appreciated, Dan. Thank you so much. That is Dan Duva, the radio broadcast voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll step aside and wrap things up when we come back on HSK Today. The
0: question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth. You can't handle Brian McCormack.
1: Back at the Orleans Arena, Brian McCormick here with you, wrapping things up on a Thursday afternoon. HSK today, and there is a game tonight against the Tucson Roadrunners, so it is important to make sure all the uh, the equipment is uh, up to snuff. So let's have our equipment check of the week. Cameron, how's the equipment? It's great. Thank you so much, Cameron Batty, assistant equipment manager, with our equipment check of the week. Now, if you are uh, sitting around on your couch and you're saying, "What should I do tonight?" You should come watch hockey. That's what you should do. As the Henderson Silver Knights are set to take on the Tucson Roadrunners tonight. Puck drop at 7 p.m. Tickets are available now starting at less than $40. If you haven't been to a game yet, you don't want to miss out on being a part of this historic inaugural season and join all the family fun with the town crier and our new mascot, Lucky. Visit hendersonsilverknights.com. That's hendersonsilverknights.com, Or you can call 702-645-4259. 702 645 4259 to get your seats for Henderson Silver Knight Hockey. Silver Knights and Tucson Roadrunners are going to have their fourth meeting of the season and their first of three this weekend at the Orleans Arena. And uh, again, to give you more and more reason to want to come down to see the game for yourself, uh, Cody Glass is expected to be in the lineup for the Henderson Silver Knights. Cody Glass, the sixth overall pick of the Vegas Golden Knights back in 2017. Also, Leighton Ahack will make his AHL debut. So lots to see for the Henderson Silver Knights as they get set to kick off this five-game homestand. and. Although, uh, if you come to see the game in person, you probably won't be hanging out with me. That's understandable. But if you are, we will be on the air here on 1230 the game at 630 p.m. with pregame coverage and puck drop at 7 on an afternoon that is very Brian McCormick heavy on 1230 the game. Hopefully, you're all OK with that. Thank you for joining us for HSK today. We're going to take a couple hours off, and then we'll be back with the pregame show right here on 1230 the game. Have a great afternoon, everybody.